The tomb is empty. I've been there. I've checked it out. It's empty. That means that God is alive. And he is risen today. 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter of the Bible. And it says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have the victory Today, we have reason to celebrate today because our God is alive. He is not dead. He is alive right now. And it wasn't just that he rose from the dead and his power was at work 2,000 years ago. It's that his power is at work right now in our lives today. And the same power that raised him from the dead is available to every area of our life. He is risen, and we want to talk about that today. How many of you have been watching the story miniseries on the History Channel? Anybody been watching uh, that? That's been powerful. If you haven't, just, just get DVDs, or I don't know how you can get a hold of it, but wow, it's been good. We can't wait to watch tonight with our family. Uh, it'll be the cross episode and the resurrection episode, and what a great time on Easter to watch that and as we've been watching that, I often think about Jesus and, and what he was like and what he looked like and how he acted, and, and uh, I, I just try to imagine myself there, and I think that's a good thing to do, is imagine ourselves back there with Jesus. And you go back in that moment, and you, you try to say, well, I wonder what it was like. I wonder what it was like to walk with him and talk with him. How would I have responded to Jesus? What would I have believed about Jesus? Would I have accepted him? Would I have rejected him? And, and what was he like? God chose four individuals to write the story of Jesus in the New Testament. And right at the beginning of the New Testament is what we call the Gospels. And God chose Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to tell us the story of Jesus. And these were real guys. We see him on stained glass in cathedrals all over the world, but these were real men that walked with Jesus, knew him, although Luke probably never did know him. He knew him through the, the apostles, and, and they write the story of Jesus. And, and I'm going to do something a little different today in my messages. I just want to talk about these guys and what they knew about Jesus. And I'm going to begin with Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was hated by everyone around and we have April 15th coming up, so we know that, you know, taxes are due, and we're not real thrilled about paying our taxes. I get that, but this is a different, different, different kind of situation. This is someone who has rejected God, rejected his people, and basically has joined the other side, the occupying army. He's the guy that now gouges his own people and steals from them and takes from them to give to a conquering king, and he is on the outside. And even if he wanted to come back to God, there's no way he ever could because he is barred from the temple. At least the Gentiles could go into the outer court. He couldn't even get close to the temple. They hated him so much. He was so far on the outside looking in, and he knew that he needed forgiveness, and he knew he needed to turn around, but there was no way to turn it around. And so he just leads this life of of being ostracized by his people and, and gaining wealth, but being separated from everyone. And he has a lot to forgive, and Jesus comes into his life and says, look, you can follow me, you can be right with God. Everybody else may reject you, but God doesn't reject you. 
You can be forgiven, Matthew. You can come back and you can come clean, and he does. It's a beautiful story of forgiveness. And so Matthew begins in his gospel. As you read his gospels, unlike the others, he talks more about forgiveness than anyone else. In fact, he gives an entire chapter beyond everything he talks about forgiveness. In in Matthew 18, he talks about forgiveness and how God forgives us and we're called to forgive others. He talks about it more than anybody else. You want to know why? Because he knows what it's like to be forgiven. He knows what it's like to be on the outside with no way to get in, but Jesus brought him in and he's forgiven. He was a wealthy man, but then he starts following Jesus and he loses everything. He doesn't have anything, and so he has to begin to trust in Jesus. He goes from being very wealthy, probably to having absolutely nothing, and so then he writes in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And how much more is he going to take care of me? Matthew knew it. This wasn't just a theory for him. It was his real life. God was going to take care of him. He had worked for King Herod, who was an evil king, an occupying king, somebody who who was hard on the people in in an evil kingdom. And now he gets to work for the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who loves everyone and has a new kingdom and says, come on into the new kingdom. He knew what it was like to live for this king, and so he he tells the story of a brand new king that you can follow, and he teaches those that had rejected him. I love that about Matthew. He goes back to the people that had told him, there's no way in, and you're on the outside, and we hate you, and he goes back, and he tells the story of Jesus, the story of forgiveness, the story of God taking care of them, the story of the new king. Mark comes along. And Mark is a failure. He probably followed Jesus as a little boy, but as he grew up in the church, there was a church service where Paul and Barnabas were going to go out on the first missionary journey. He said, man, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to go with them. And they go out on the first missionary journey to spread the gospel around the world, and he gets out there, and they didn't want to hear the gospel as they began to spread around the world. And they were beaten and stoned and thrown in prison, and All this persecution begins to happen, and as a young man doing this, Mark gets scared, and he runs back home, and he abandons Paul and Barnabas, and Paul doesn't want anything to do with Mark ever again. Look, you abandoned us. You ran away. It is over. You are done. You failed. Get out of here. And so Mark knew what it was like to be passionate about Jesus, but then to fail and fall flat on his face. A little later in life, we find out that Mark didn't stay a failure. He actually began to work with Peter in Rome and spreading the gospel with Peter. And what I find interesting about that relationship is because Peter knew what it was like to be a failure. Peter knew what it was like to to walk on the water and then sink. Peter knew what it was like to deny Jesus and then be restored again. And so he reaches out to Mark somehow, some way, The story of Jesus takes Mark from a failure to somebody who lives and works for God. And so Mark begins to tell us all those times the disciples failed. As you read this gospel, the disciples are a bunch of fools running around. I mean, they're making mistakes all over the place. And you know what Jesus does in the midst of all their mistakes is he loves them. 
He gives them grace. They fail, and he's still there. He doesn't lower the, the standard of discipleship, say, well, it's okay. You just keep messing up. No, he, he says, no, you can do it. You can do better. Come on. And there's so much grace in Mark because he knew what it was like to be a failure. Brings us to, to Luke, who writes the gospel, and he is really on the outside because he's the only Gentile writer in the whole of the Bible. And God chooses this man who never saw Jesus but heard about Jesus and, and received Jesus to tell the story of Jesus. In the very first verses of the Gospel of Luke, he goes back and he interviews all these people that, that, that knew Jesus. And he gets the story and he writes the longest book in the New Testament as he writes the story of Jesus. But his story is different because he is an outsider and he understands it. And he talks about Samaritans like no one else talks about them because Israel hated the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They had intermarried with pagan cultures and had pagan rituals and had kind of adopted this weird worship. And they were, man, they were the worst of the worst. And yet Luke talks about Jesus and his interaction with Samaritans more than anybody else. He's the, the gospel that gives us probably the most popular parable that Jesus ever told, the parable of the good Samaritan. He talks about people like Zacchaeus who were sinners, who were far from God, that God loved those that were, were sinners, that the story of the prodigal son, that's found in the gospel of Luke because God loves sinners. God loves people on the outside. God loves children. They're asking Jesus in the gospel, why are you spending time with children as Jesus blesses them? Because it doesn't matter who the least of these are, that's who Jesus loves. Jesus had women followers that were like disciples. They actually walked with the disciples. We would never know that if it wasn't for Luke in Luke chapter 8 telling us who followed Jesus. Whoever was pushed down by society, Luke said that's who Jesus loved. The sick, the unclean, Jesus does miracles and healings. He touches lepers in the gospel of Luke because that's our Jesus. He loves the poor. He loves the downcast. He loves those that no one else loves. And Luke knew that from his own life. And so he tells the story of Jesus. That brings us to John, who writes a little bit later, but he writes from a different perspective. John is the closest disciple to Peter. He is the disciple that Jesus loved. He had the most intimate relationship with Jesus. And so because of that, he offers commentary the other gospel writers don't do this, but, but John says, Jesus said this so that we would understand this, and he did this so that we would know this, and, and he comments the whole way through because he had the closest relationship with Jesus, but he had a problem too. He was angry. He was critical. He was judgmental. The, the Bible calls him the son of thunder, and he was always worried. He had pride. He always worried, who's the greatest, Jesus? It's got to be me. It's got to be my brother. It's got to be us. we got to be the greatest. And, and he's critical of everybody else and judgmental. When a city rejects Jesus, he wants to call down fire from heaven and burn that city to the ground. That's John. That's how angry a, a young man he is. But listen what happens. Toward the end of the New Testament, we have three books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And John is actually known as the apostle of love. The verse, God is love, that we're called to love God, we're called to love others, that the mark of our Christian life is love. All of the talk about love comes from the Apostle John. 
And so from the beginning of his life as an angry, prideful, judgmental, critical young man to later in life being the apostle of love who loves everybody, he shows us what a life can transform when Jesus gets a hold of it. Jesus takes you from where you were to a whole new life. That's what happens with lifelong discipleship. Now let's look at them all together. God chooses a group of very broken people that need forgiveness, that are on the outside looking in. They just don't fit. They didn't do everything right. They needed to change, but they didn't know how. And when I look at this list of guys that God chose, I think about my life, and I want you to think about your life and how this fits you. Have you ever felt like you're on the outside looking in? Have you ever felt like, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I know everybody else is getting it, but I'm not getting it right now. I'm too far gone. I, I have too much to forgive. I need too much to change. I, I have failed over and over and over again. I think we can relate with all of these guys, but listen to me. The story of the resurrection is this, that Jesus makes all things new. And he made Matthew a new person, and he made Mark a new person, he made Luke a new person, he made John a new person, and listen to me today, he can make you a new person. So let's talk about you. God chose them to write the Gospels, but he wants to write it through you. He wants his resurrection power to come into your life, every area of your life, every broken part, every part that needs forgiveness, every failure. He wants to come in and make you new. I always say this when I teach in the life of Christ, that there are actually five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the fifth Gospel is your life, your life. And the problem is most people will never read the first four. They're only going to read your life. They're going to read what Jesus is writing in your life. And so let me ask you today, how has Christ impacted you? How has he changed your life? What has he taken you from and what is he taking you to? How has he changed you? Because your story is going to be different from my story. There'll be people out there that would listen to my story and then wouldn't listen to your story. There's people that would listen to your story but not my story. The, the important thing is that we're all telling the story of Jesus through our life. That we're telling, this is how he changed my life. This is how he impacted me. This is how I needed forgiveness. This is how I needed to change. This is how I needed to, to, I felt like I didn't fit with God, but now I know that God loves me. And what is the story that God is writing with your life? A number of years ago, on one of the first Sundays of the new year, I preached a message about God being the author of our lives and in a very holy and sacred moment at the end of that service with just music playing, no invitation given, someone walked up with a pen and they, they laid it on the altar, saying, God, I want you to write the story of my life. And then one after one, on a Sunday very much like this, people stepped out of their seat and they began to lay pens all across the altar and we, we bundled them up and these have sat in my office the past several years. Oh. I'll put that one back, I promise. Um, yeah. 
I hope that person didn't fall away. I hope that wasn't, I hope that wasn't like, a, like a prophetic move right there. I, I, uh, come back. You can come back. You need forgiveness. Come back right now in the name of Jesus. All right. Back in the fold. There you go. Brand new story. God holds you a lot tighter than I hold these pens. He will never let you go. No, um, uh, I just keep these in my office, and I, I have them so I can see them from my desk on a ledge. Because it reminds me that Jesus is writing the story of our life. That we give him the pen, we open up the journal, and we let him tell the story. And, and here's the important part. The story begins with a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, as we saw on our videos today, came to, to die on a cross. To die for our sins. And when he did that, he was identifying with you and me. He was saying, I understand that, 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 that you have sinned, that you need me, that there are things in your life that, that, that you can't do on your own, and I am going to do them for you. He identifies with us. And listen to me, this is so important, is that whatever it means to die, and none of us in this room knows what it means to die, but whatever it means to die, God in Christ came to this earth and experienced death for you and for me. And when I think about, I was thinking about this this week, this is what's so powerful, is we talk about the, the, the name for Jesus as Emmanuel, and we usually do it at Christmas time. God with us, that he came as a baby. But look, he identified with us so much that he came and he even identified with death. And he didn't just cheat death. He defeated death. It is over. And he said, I am going to be your Emmanuel. I'm going to be the one that identifies with you. In John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, in the God who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. We believe in Jesus, what he has done for us, our Emmanuel, who died on the cross for our sins. So he identifies with us, and he says, all I want you to do is identify with my resurrection. Identify with my power. Identify that, that, that what raised me from the dead can raise you from the dead and can change you forever. John chapter 11, verse 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. He says these words, these words in red in the gospel. In John chapter 11, when Lazarus is already dead and in the grave, and what that teaches us is that it's never too late. It's not over. That Jesus can call your name. In that story, he said, take away the stone. But Jesus, he's been dead. Take away the stone. We need to remove any barriers that are keeping us from Jesus this morning. Roll away the stone. And as they did, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Today, put your name in there on Resurrection Sunday. He's saying, you, come forth. Come out. And you know what's funny? Is the Bible is so descriptive that he comes out hopping. 
because he's in his grave clothes, all wrapped up like a mummy. And he hops out. Maybe that's where we got the Easter bunny. I don't know. But, but he comes hopping out. And I love what Jesus says. He says, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. That's what God wants to do in your life when he sets you free. He wants to loose you and let you go. There's a story in, in one of those inspirational books of a little bird that's sitting on a branch in the midst of a storm, and the wind is coming, and the rain, and it's, it's just crazy. And, and the author was looking at the little, the little bird just sitting there calmly as the storm rages, and, and it gets more intense, and the tree sways even more. And he was just enamored by watching this little bird, and he was thinking what's going on in the little bird's mind. And he thought of these words, you can shake me off, but I still have wings. I read that. I, I loved it. Because Jesus defeated death. And we can look anything square in the eye and say, you may shake me off, but I still have wings. We are going to live forever. And it begins now. And it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And as we pray, I'm going to invite the choir to join me. As we enter into a time of worship here at the end of our Resurrection Sunday. But with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to talk to you just quickly and say a prayer with you. Jesus came to earth to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. He did that so we might have a relationship with him. Just as Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these broken, faraway guys. And I just encourage you today to realize that what Jesus did on the cross was for you that you are not too far on the outside, that you are not too broken, that your sins aren't so bad that he can't forgive you. If anything, the Gospels teach us that no matter how much you failed, Jesus still loves you and his grace is big. And there's nothing you have to do except accept what Jesus did on the cross for you. See, the way to be right with God and, and to go to heaven is to be either 100% good or 100% forgiven. There is no one that has ever lived that is 100% good except for Jesus himself. But everyone, and I mean everyone, can be 100% forgiven for all of their sin. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you just talk to God and tell him that you accept what Jesus did on the cross for your sin. You will be made new. This, the eternal life that we've been talking about will begin now. That transformation that God did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will now begin in your life. And so today, whether for the first time or you just need to come back home to Jesus, or you want to make that declaration solid today, 
I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to new life in Jesus. Let's stand and worship the Lord this morning.
Amen. Well, Jesus is alive, and so are we, and with new life. And, and today, if, if you made that decision for Jesus, I just want you to come up afterwards and, and, and just grab one of, these, um, one of these packets in the basket up here. There, there should be plenty. If we run out up here, there are more in, in the lobby that you can pick up. But we've got some things in there for you about following Jesus and, and, and just knowing him. I encourage you to, to tell someone. I'd love to hear after the service. I'll be down front. I just want to hear what God's done in your life or maybe a story of transformation. And um, God's at work in your heart and in your life. And so talk to him. Be close to him. Come back to church. We're going to keep talking about Jesus in the weeks to come. We're going to keep worshiping him and drawing near to him and letting him change our life. And so grab one of these packets and, and uh, be a part of the family of God because you are and God's already at work in your life. And in the lobby, and this is for everyone, um, we have Christian Life devotionals. These are just devotionals for every day. Uh, we've got extras in the lobby today. We'd love for you to pick one up, take that home. It's just a great way to stay close to Jesus all month long. And uh, some, uh, some verses and some encouraging words in there for you. And so that's there for you. But we just want you to grow in Christ. Our mission as a church is to connect people to God. Whether it's the first time or in an ongoing relationship, that we would stay connected to God, that we would then connect people to people because you aren't meant to be a Christian all by yourself. You need other people in your life encouraging you, spurring you on, praying for you. And uh, so we need those people of the family of God in your life. And then you, you need to connect with your calling. You know that Jesus made you for a purpose and for a reason, and no one else can take your place. If you step out of line, there's no one that's going to come in and take your place. And so God made you for a reason, for a purpose in this world. You have a story to tell, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we need your story being told. And so God has a call in your life to tell that story. So I just encourage you just to keep coming, keep growing in God. And he has great things ahead of you. Your past does not equal your future. I'm telling you, he's taking you to a new place in him. You are a new person. And there is victory ahead for you. Man, it's been good, hasn't it? It's been good. Um, as we conclude this morning, the, the choir is going to sing that song as, as we leave, but I don't want you to leave without fellowshipping with one another. I want you to receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. And this morning as we receive the blessing, I'm going to invite Angelo to come down front. I, I saw him come in. Is Angelo here? Angelo, come on down. Angelo's uh, heading out to California. He's becoming a police officer out there. And, and uh, so part of our family is uh, moving away, but God's going to be with him. So I'm going to invite, and uh, just come on down front. We're going to give you the blessing of the Lord this morning, but the blessing is for all of us. Why don't we have family and friends come down? We can have the pastors uh, come and just surround Angelo now as he takes a step of faith to follow God and uh, a new career, a new job far away from home. We are going to miss you, uh, but uh, we love you. And so this blessing is for Angelo. His family's coming now. Um, but this blessing is really for all of us. It's, it's a blessing that walks with all of God's people. It always has, and it always will. Until you see Jesus face to face, this is his blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing. Lord, today we lay hands on Angelo as, as he leaves our church family to go all the way across their nation to, to serve and to protect. And God, you're going to keep him safe and strong. God, I pray that he finds a good church family, a good home, God, 
where he can grow in you, that he will be, he'll be safe and strong in you. But Lord, we're all stepping out of these doors now to go tell our story of new life to this world. God, be with us with blessing and favor and protection, God. God, we pray, keep us safe, keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for prayer next week. My Savior lives. My Savior